Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra. I'm your host, Intern Alex. Over the last few weeks, we've heard a lot of rumblings about AEW's new signees and if they're going to actually show up or not. It certainly seems like they are, but I'm, of course, talking about the rumors of them signing Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Now, CM Punk is the more intriguing of, of the two because, well... CM Punk hasn't wrestled for a major promotion since January of 2014 when he last competed in the WWE at the Royal Rumble. He's definitely kept his name out there. He's been in the UFC, gave that a shot, didn't quite go the way he wanted it to, but he did it. Made some good money doing it too. He also showed up on FS1 as a part of WWE Backstage, which there was, at that time, there was rumblings that, oh, maybe he's going to come back to the WWE now. Maybe all the lawsuit stuff and all that, maybe all that, those hard feelings have boiled over or they've simmered down rather. And now he's ready to come back home to the WWE, if you consider that to be his home. But he hasn't. He's resisted. And for seven years, wrestling fans have been wondering will we ever see CM Punk in a wrestling ring again? And if you were at certain indie shows uh, over the last few years, you you might have seen him. He's made a couple of appearances, uh, hit a go-to-sleep and walked out of the ring wearing a mask in one of them, for instance. So he's definitely always been in the back of wrestling fans' minds. Now it looks like it's going to be a reality. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but with the upcoming slate of shows in Chicago... AW certainly hyping it, including Darby Allen, of course, doing the best in the world tease. So they've definitely teased this. And if they don't deliver, it would be very, very surprising considering uh, the way they've, I mean, they booked the United Center. They've sold 10,000 tickets. They've they've gone out of their way to give, give wrestling fans the nudge to say, yes, this is really happening. CM Punk is going to be back in a major promotions wrestling ring so with his anticipated debut coming up i thought we should go back and look to another debut of his his debut in wwe's ecw revival on sci-fi now he was of course teased in the very first episode of ecw on sci-fi he had a little um promo where he talked about being straight edge and that was He's just here to compete. He's the best in the world, something along those lines. So he was teased 
when they uh, debuted, which was in June of 2006. We fast forward a little bit. We go to August 1st, 2006, his TV debut. He had had some matches, dark matches prior to this, but this was his TV debut under the WWE brand of ECW. It's a live edition of ECW on Sci-Fi. They decided to book the Hammerstein Ballroom. So no better place to debut, right? I mean, this is ECW's one of their most legendary venues. They ran a lot of shows here. This is the venue where One Night Stand took place. This was going to be the ECW faithful welcoming a guy that was very hot on the indie scene and in ROH and in other promotions. The ECW crowd was definitely hyped for his debut, and they were going to get it in their home stadium, basically, at Hammerstein Ballroom. In theory, this was a great idea, and this show would be legendary, right? Well, it was legendary, but not because CM Punk debuted on it, because of what happened in the main event. Next to the debut of ECW on Sci-Fi, I'm going to say this is probably the most memorable episode of ECW on Sci-Fi for all the wrong reasons. We get to ECW on Sci-Fi opening featuring Drowning Pool's bodies. Let the bodies hit the floor. Yes, they used this uh, for the One Night Stand shows, and it was the ECW on Sci-Fi theme for a few years until they, they swapped it out for Don't Question My Heart. Uh, by Saliva, I think. And we get the highlights of all the ECW extremists, as they were still being called, I think, at this time. And the final image of the montage is ECW champion Big Show. That's right, ECW champion Big Show. That's because Rob Van Dam had gotten in trouble. He'd gotten pulled over with Sabu in the car. And surprise, surprise, they found marijuana on Rob Van Dam. So... He was suspended, they stripped him of the title, and they gave the title to Big Show. Well, they made RVD lose both the WWE title on Raw after the arrest or citation. I don't remember what happened after his traffic stop, but he lost it to Edge on Raw, the WWE title. And then the next night on Sci-Fi, he would drop the ECW title to Big Show with Paul Heyman turning heel as well. Uh, basically, Paul Heyman's character is that of Eric Bischoff in WCW, where he is part of the company. He runs the company, right, on screen. But he also, at the same time on screen, wants to destroy it. Well, he doesn't want to necessarily destroy it, but he wants to reshape ECW in the image of Vince McMahon and not Paul Heyman, which is very... Very much the opposite of what Paul Heyman wanted to do with this relaunch of ECW, but that's the role that he is playing. Tonight, in the main event, the main event of ECW in one of their most storied venues, they decided to go with a title match. Okay, that sounds great. So, of course, you would think they would pair an ECW original with the big show, right? Give the crowd... Some nostalgia, give them one of the superstars they love. No, instead they went with Big Show defending the title against Batista. Yes, Batista, who was not part of the ECW roster. I believe he was still on SmackDown at this time. And this was before the working agreement between ECW and SmackDown. So this was just what it is. They picked the most un-ECW guy imaginable. Uh, The big, muscled-up Vince McMahon guy to take on Big Show, who is also a big, not muscled-up, but 
I mean, big is in his name. So you have these two WWF stereotypes are in your main event of ECW. Oh boy, this should go over really well with the ECW faithful. We open up with an Extreme Rules tag match where Sandman and Tommy Dreamer will collide with Mike Knox and Test. This feud is all about Kelly Kelly. Because you see, the Sandman hit Kelly Kelly with a cane after Mike Knox cowardly pulled her in front of him. In ECW, Mike Knox was Kelly Kelly's jealous boyfriend. Kelly Kelly just wanted to strip and have fun and show the ECW fans her body. Mike Knox was the wet blanket and would throw a potato sack over and carry her off. And he's also a coward because he will use her as a human shield when he's confronted by enemies. Also in this feud, Test, Kelly Kelly's real-life boyfriend, he gets involved because Dreamer hit him with a garbage can uh, for revenge because Test beat down Sandman, helped Mike Knox beat down Sandman. Dreamer came in with the garbage can, and that's how we got to where we are today. Test and Knox come out together with Kelly Kelly. Lots of middle fingers for these two. You Suck Dick Chance gets the crowd volume turned down. This would not work out well for the uh, people at the Sci-Fi Network uh, or people in the production truck trying to turn down the crowd tonight as it didn't really work. Um, And we found out more about that in the main event. They get another chant going that does get muted, so I don't know what they were chanting the second time. Sandman's entrance takes forever, and now he doesn't have Enter Sandman, so yeah, it's that. And then Tommy Dreamer got his uh, fake Allison Chains knockoff uh, to come out to the rings. But they both get good reactions, of course, as they are ECW originals. Fuck him up Sandman as Sandman lands an ugly drop kick to test. Mike Knox runs in to help test put the boots to Sandman. You can't wrestle chance for test, which is funny because could sort of apply that label to everyone in this match. I'm sorry. The four of these guys do not have the best um, in-ring mat wrestling skills. We're talking about Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, Test, and Mike Knox here. So this you-can't-wrestle chant could really apply to all of them. White Russian leg sweep to Test from Sandman and a DDT to Mike Knox from Dreamer. And the ECW originals want more plunder. So they get garbage cans as the crowd chant. We want tables. They don't want garbage cans. They go above and beyond for this crowd. They don't get them a table. They get them a barbed wire board. It's a huge ECW uh, roars from the crowd here. I mean, they just, they went nuts for this. ECW chants everywhere for the big, for the board with barbed wire on it. Kane shots from Test to Sandman and Dreamer save Knox from a suplex into the barbed wire. Test and Mike Knox were not wearing protective brawling street clothes they were in their typical speedos and they were shirtless so take a gander at who's going to end up through that barbed wire the ecw originals get mike knox and they want to suplex him into the barbed wire but tess grabs a cane and hits sandman and tommy dreamer to save mike knox big elbows from tess to dreamer he rubs dreamer's blood all over his chest as war paint as Dreamer had gotten busted up, Sandman came to the ring busted open as per usual. Sandman gets the cane and Knox hides behind Kelly Kelly, but Sandman still manages to bash the cane over Knox and they walk and brawl up the aisle and they are done for the night. They would disappear into the void. Dreamer is in the ring with Kelly Kelly as the crowd. Chance for her to show her tits. Wonderful. Dreamer wants to plant a kiss on her, 
but that's no one no one wants that no no one wants to see that and so instead he decides to spank her which uh he puts Kelly Kelly over his knee and exposes her bare buttocks well her thong covered buttocks to the ECW crowd for a big roar and he spanks Kelly Kelly yes this is 2006 this is uh the PG era wouldn't start until 2007 uh, after an unfortunate incident with another performer from ECW on Sci-Fi. Heyman's security goons, the Basham brothers, run in and stop it. They weren't called the Basham brothers at this point. They were just those security goons, which had been used in ECW before. It was how Rick Rude debuted as one of these security goons. The riot police come in to stop the spanking of Kelly Kelly, and Paul Heyman is alongside them. You sold out chance for Paul Heyman. You sold out, Paul. You gave up your values, and now you you don't even like us spanking women on TV. You don't like us abusing women on TV. You sold out, Paul. I'm sure they were referring to the fact that Paul was a bad guy and put Big Show as a champion, but whatever. That's, that's however you want to read into it. The security goons get the honors of throwing Dreamer into the barbed wire, and Heyman and the goons walk to the back. Tess then pulls Dreamer out of the barbed wire just to shove him into it again. Ouch. This sucked. Then Tess hits his new finisher, I suppose. Mark Merrill would be proud. It's a TKO. One, two, three. Tess gets the win. So the ECW Originals lose on the opening match in an ECW venue on ECW. So, wonderful. Um... This was actually a pretty good match for the ECW crowd. It featured their originals. They enjoyed that. It featured a woman showing her thong. That's always something the ECW crowd would go wild for. And it also featured blood and barbed wire. So I think this hit all of the right notes. So what that Tommy Dreamer and Sandman were not victorious can't really question it because the crowd got what they wanted which was violence and scantily clad women so so for an opening match i think this was excellent actually really when i mean tommy dreamer went above and beyond by agreeing to do these these barbed wire bits for ecw on sci-fi but at the same time you know all hope wasn't lost on this brand even though big show was the champion and you had seen the company going in a bad direction really from the start with the zombie coming out the first night and um, how extreme rules weren't going to be applied in every match, but there was still time to turn it around. And if you were going to turn it around, there's no better place than here with the ECW faithful in the audience. So Heyman is in the back and he runs into roadkill Guido and a few others in catering. He doesn't say anything to them, but I just think it's funny. They always put the fat guy at the catering table. Even to this day, this is a WWE trope. I mean, it wasn't, what, a few years ago where Rhino was always overeating at the catering table. So this is just something that that made me laugh. But these ECW guys were probably just thankful to have catering. This was just great for those guys that had stuck it out through Paul Heyman's ECW. Sabu greets him and tells him he wants the Big Show. Heyman says, well, you might not like this, but Big Show's our long-term investment, which I don't think anybody's actually said about Big Show. And he can't be subjected to Sabu's level of violence. He's just delicate. He's a delicate giant, and he can't be subjected to 
I mean, look at you, Sabu. You're covered in scars. I know. Same thing you wanted last week, right? Same thing. I told you, I want the big show. Sabu, I appreciate everything you've done for ECW. But the big show is our champion now. And that's a long-term investment for us. And the big show as champion needs our support. Man, Sabu, look at you. You're all scarred up because you're willing to do anything to win. I can't subject the big show to that. So I respectfully have to say, no, not tonight, not next week, not next month, never. Sabu, please, last week is the past. This week, I need for you to leave the arena Or I'm going to have you escorted out. So, Heyman shits on this idea, and then Heyman tells Sabu he needs to leave. Now, he doesn't actually get his security goons to escort Sabu out of the arena, and there's no follow-up on this, so we'll see if Sabu actually did leave the arena. They tease the main event again. Then we get a CM Punk promo. He says the waiting is over, and he debuts next. The time is now. My name is C.M. Punk. I am a man of discipline. The key... The key is to quell my passion before the battle. Release my passion in the battle. But tonight, there's no more quelling of my passion for competition. The waiting is over. I got the opportunity of a lifetime. Tonight, I debut in ECW. The time is now, and I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. My name is C.M. Punk. And his first opponent in the WWE is ECW original Just Incredible? What? This is very strange to me that they decided to... They had all these these jobbers. They could have called in anybody. I mean, later on, you'll see a perennial jobber, a legendary jobber on the roster. But instead of doing that, they took former ECW world champion, just incredible, gave him the jobber entrance, so no entrance, and he's already waiting in the ring because he's the first test for CM Punk, who gets a pretty good reaction when he comes out. All right, well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm amped up. I got a lot of excitement about this guy's debut that's coming out right now. Seattle's crowd reacts to see if they're getting a pretty strong response from the ECW fan base. We've heard from CM Punks for a week. He's straight edge, alcohol free, drug free, tobacco free. What does that mean here at ECW? And his opponent from Chicago, Illinois, weighing 222 pounds, CM Punk. Got a very different type of athlete here. Very intense. Very intense. Punk is very intense. Oh, totally. I mean, obviously we've heard from him. I've heard, I've done some research on the guy. Yeah, everybody here saying CM Punk. Throwing some props to the man. He's a disciplined athlete. He's very passionate, as you heard before the commercial break. And 
He realizes, CM Punk that is, that this is an opportunity of a lifetime, and I think he'll make the most of it. Now, the ECW crowd, it's not like they were ever in love with Just Incredible. I'm just saying, I think you could have sacrificed somebody else in, in this spot. But, of course, they had Kurt Angle debut against Just Incredible, too. So, it was clear where they had slotted PJ Polacco, Just Incredible. They slotted him. Basically, they they were not never going to let him forget that he was Aldo Montoya. So... Yeah, he was going to be a jobber in this ECW. CM Punk gets chants immediately from the crowd, so a very warm welcome. The ECW crowd, not always receptive to new faces, but this, in their mind, was not a new face. This was their beloved indie darling making it to the big time, so they were thrilled to have CM Punk in ECW. Like I said, all hope was not lost for this version of ECW, Probably until the main event. I think the main event, we it's apparent, all hope is lost here. Or maybe it was December to dismember. There's lots of places where you can say, where was this thing lost? But it might have been the first episode of ECW on Sci-Fi. But I, I have to disagree just based on this episode and this crowd and the fever for this 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 show and, and what the, the product that they crave. There was still a demand for... The ECW, there was still time to right the ship. He works a front chancery on Justin Credible, then ties him up in a version of the tarantula in the corner. Credible catches a springboard attempt and slams him. CM Punk delivers some nice kicks, but Credible hits two snap suplexes into a bridging Northern Lights for a two count. Credible rolls Punk into a single leg Boston Crab. CM Punk powers out of that. Credible eats a back elbow. Some big kicks from CM Punk. A springboard forearm gets a near fall from CM Punk. Then a running knee strike into the corner, followed by a bulldog. And then a urinagi into the anaconda vice, and Just Incredible taps out a submission victory in his WWE CW debut for CM Punk. And the ECW fans give him warm reception. This was an excellent debut match for him, Just Incredible. Like I said, I... Probably would have preferred them pick somebody else from their roster for CM Punk to 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 get this squash match victory in. But at the same time, it does give it some, excuse the pun, some credibility when you have Just Incredible in there instead of random Nacho Libre knockoff or whatever they had in the back. Um, so yeah, this was a very good debut. Uh, the sky's the limit. CM Punk looks so young here, uh, even though... He was, you know, a grizzled veteran by the time he came into WWE CW. It wasn't like he had just stepped out of the Performance Center in 2021 terms. I mean, he was um, tested, battle-tested. And so I thought this was a very good debut. And it would only get better for, for him. His career in WWE went just fine. It was the brand ECW that unfortunately sank. But CM Punk's brand and his value would only increase from here on out. Now, I mean, it took a while to get there, obviously. It wasn't until 2011 uh, when he, the money in the bank and when he became a true and the pipe bomb promos and all, all that stuff. The That's what made him super popular. I mean, before that, he had the program with Jeff Hardy. So it would take a few years and he would lose hope. <laughs> obviously, he You'd have to lose hope if you were in this version of ECW or even buried on the SmackDown roster, but eventually he got there. It just took a lot 
longer than it probably should have. You missed a lot of great years with CM Punk because you put him on the back burner and you left him on this brand. So we get a Batista hype video, exactly what you want to see on an ECW show. Then we see the reject, Shannon Moore, backstage, but he doesn't get to speak. Apparently, in the dark matches before this show, the crowd shit all over uh, the reject, Shannon Moore, and uh, he got booed out of the building, basically, so it was probably good that he didn't speak here. Brooklyn Brawler is in the ring to cut a promo. I am not shitting you about this. Brooklyn Brawler is here to cut a promo. They are going to let this man speak and not on a WWE documentary produced between 2005 and 2009 where I feel like he was on every single WWE documentary because he was the only guy from, I don't know, the the Hulkamania era that was still on the roster. I don't know. I'm the Brooklyn Brawler! You people know... I'm too extreme for Raw. I'm too hardcore for SmackDown. Actually, I'm in the perfect place right now. E-C-W. And I will be your E-C-W world Champion! Uh, I'm not too sure about that, Um, But he got a promo here, and he decided to challenge anybody in the back, and unfortunately for him, he gets Kurt Angle. He comes out rocking his real gold medal from the 1996 Olympics. You know it's the real one because it's got the green strap around it. I mean, it says 96 on it. It's it's the real one, not the fake one that he typically rocks. Welcome back, Chance for Angle, as he just paintbrushes Brawler. I mean, Angle had been um, off TV, on and off TV for a little while. We all know what Kurt Angle was going through here as he was just about done with the company, so he was um, not in a good place. Angle delivers a nasty headbutt and slaps on the ankle lock to make Brawler tap out. Angle would be granted his release on August 25th. His final match would be the next episode of ECW on Sci-Fi in a no contest against Sabu. So second to last match in WWE. So we have the debut, basically, of one superstar and the second to last match for another until he came back a few years ago for his final WWE run. But yeah, Kurt Angle uh, granted his release on August 25th. And then would show up in TNA and burn a bridge, not permanently though, because it doesn't seem like any bridge is ever truly burnt forever uh, between performers and Vince McMahon, but it certainly took a long time to reconcile uh, Kurt Angle going to TNA, uh, knowing the condition that he was in too, and the reason that he wanted his release is because of his problem with painkillers and that He didn't want to be on the road as much and stuff. Well, that was something he got in TNA, but the painkiller part was still going to haunt him for years. And so to tell your boss that, that you want out because of drugs, and then he turns around and signs with someone else, I can actually, I rarely say I can see it, Vince McMahon's anger, because I really can't most of the time, but I can see 
why they were so angry and bitter um, when when Kurt went to them for for help. But at the same time, I think Kurt has said before too that it wasn't like they were giving him help. It was like, well, you know, just tough it out. You know, stay on the road. You know, keep working. It definitely wasn't like, hey, take as much time as you need, buddy. It wasn't that kind of thing. So he didn't really feel like he had a choice, I guess. And then he still needed to support his family and stuff. So he needed a job. So yeah. Um, Anyway, (laughs) moving on. The wrestling machine gimmick, though, of Kurt Angle was a great idea. Now, I had always thought Kurt Angle was a pretty good wrestler. I mean, obviously, he's a he's a gold medalist. He's one of the best in-ring wrestlers to ever step foot into a pro wrestling environment, and he definitely picked it up quicker than than a lot of other, um, like you saw Ronda Rousey. I mean, she picked it up pretty quickly, but I think Kurt Angle might have picked it up even faster. But they both did a good job of transitioning from real sport to sports entertainment, and... This gimmick, the wrestling machine, was really awesome, I thought, because it it made Kurt Angle a serious guy. It wasn't jokey. He wasn't wearing the little cowboy hat with the guitar. He wasn't uh, the the corny heel with uh, the three eyes and all that stuff. I thought this was awesome. Like This was basically how they presented Brock Lesnar when he came back to the company as this, this badass, this real athlete. And that he's just going to to break whoever comes into the ring. And it's a shame that they didn't get to this gimmick until Kurt Angle was just about broken himself. We get a hype video for the big show. Oh boy. I mean, if there is no video in the world that can make me get hype for big show. Kevin Thorne and Ariel cut a coming soon promo. Yes, Mordecai has been repackaged. Or is this before Mordecai? I don't know. I don't really care. It's Kevin Thorne. It's another vampire man with his vampire lady um, cutting a coming soon promo. Confined for centuries in the darkness, society forced those like us to lurk only in the shadows. But last week, the world witnessed Kevin Thorne finally step into the light. In the dark, in the light, I am Kevin Thorne, and the blood of ECW will be mine. It's main event time already. Yes, ECW, one hour. One hour, which actually flew by, which most hours in WWE time now do not fly by, but this was... This cut out a lot of the clutter. I mean, they they kept it lean and mean. You don't really have much of a choice when you're only given an hour. So it's main event time already. It's the world champ. Big show is out first. Joey Styles says, this could be a WrestleMania main event. Joey, not in this lifetime, my friend. The crowd is having none of this. Oh, by the way, Vladimir the Superfan is in the front row, by the way. RVD chance for their suspended people's champion. Sorry, folks. How about Batista instead? Well, the ECW crowd hate Batista too. They boo Batista on his turnbuckle pose. This is just awesome to watch. I I recommend this match for anybody just because of how amazingly bad this went over with the crowd. 
Uh, this was just awesome. You both suck, Chance. Both men get booed during their introductions. Since this is a title match, this is when WWE, around the time that WWE quit doing the ramp introductions for title matches, instead tried to make it like a boxing match or an MMA match and do in-ring introductions. So both men get in the ring and they both get introduced by Justin Roberts. And both men get booed um, very, very loudly. Styles... I guess he had someone in his ear. He tries to sell both men getting mixed reactions. Yes, it's it's mixed between hatred and apathy and disgust. That's what it's mixed. That's the mixed reaction here. More you both suck chance, the boos then take over. Just loud booing. They just they had run out of words already. They discovered some more. Boring chance from the crowd. Get a middle finger from Big Show. Big Show yells Fuck you to the crowd. Then we get Sabu chance. We go to break. We come back. Big Show grabs a mic and says, Screw Sabu. Screw RVD. I'm the champ and there's nothing you sons of bitches can do about it. And then Big Show gets in a shouting match with one of the ECW fans. And Big Show calls that guy a pussy. More boring chances. Big Show eggs them on. He likes it now. Batista just paces around the ring. Just He looks... Very confused. He does not know what to do. Batista, you know, relatively new still as as a performer in this kind of situation. Um, just pacing around the ring. Doesn't know what to do. Doesn't know how. The crowd's been lost. The match, it's, it's what, do you, what do you do exactly? I mean, you can't turn heel on them. You're supposed to be the face, so you just kind of stand there. Then we get, fuck this match as a chant. Then the ECW... Crowd uh, chant for themselves, we still got it, which I think they did. Uh, I mean, this is, I've heard these these kinds of chants so many times since then, but not all in the same match. So the, uh, this is before I think the these kind of chants were war, worn out. So yes, they, they do still got it. I'll, I'll give them that. Then we get same old shit chants now. As, uh, yes, they were getting the same old shit that they would get on Raw or SmackDown. And we get more boring chants. Then we get everyone's favorite, the most famous of all their chants. Change the channel! Isn't that a great thing to have on your TV show when the crowd watching it live is telling the viewing audience at home, please, find something better to do with your time. Change the channel, please. Please, for all of us. Taz had avoided commenting on all the chants. Most of them were couldn't be commented on because they were four-letter words that Taz couldn't probably say on the microphone without getting in trouble. But he did acknowledge this one. He said, why change the channel? We like it here on Sci-Fi. Very good. Big Show is just focused on the audience. Finally, they do some wrestling here, if that's what you want to call it. Batista suplexes Big Show off the second buckle. So as close to a superplex as he could get for the Big Show. Then Batista hits a spear to Big Show for a two count. Boring chance again. Taz says it's anything but boring. Choke slam to Batista for a two count from the Big Show. Big Show then grabs his title belt to belt shot Batista who hits his spine buster instead. He teases a Batista bomb on Big Show. Which we know that's not going to be happening. Not with this size Big Show. Not with 2006 Big Show anyway. Big Show does some inverted suplex to Batista to escape. Which was actually pretty cool looking and gets a two count. But Big Show, 
He finally he picks up his ECW belt again and does get the belt shot right in front of the ref. No extreme rules in this match, my friends. No, this was a DQ. New contest. So there you have it. Then Sabu runs in with a chair, throws it at Big Show, hits the Arabian face buster. Then he kicks the chair into Big Show's face again. Big Show takes a tumble through a ringside table, and that's it. Sabu leaves as a hero, but that's it for the show. And they must have wrapped early because they had to show this replay like two or three times until we were finally out of time on the sci-fi network. So, yeah, this main event, do I really need to give you my opinion of it? I think I could let the crowd give you their opinion of it. think this is a universally loathed match this is one of the most infamous matches in wwe history i would say i mean that encompasses a lot of history but this is really one that stands out especially with fans my age the night they killed the hammerstein ballroom so uh there you have it that is ecw on sci-fi from august 1st 2006 the debut of one cm punk will his debut be better in AEW. Well, the bar is set pretty low. Actually, his part of the show was fine. So if this is what they do with... Uh, and as long as Darby Allen gets more offense in than just incredible, I think it'll be fine. Um, but at least he won't have... No matter what AEW does, I guarantee you their fans will not be chanting change the channel. Mostly because it might be on pay-per-view. But they won't be chanting change the channel because AEW has done a much better job of listening and responding to their fan base than ECW or WWE, quite frankly, has done in a long time because that's not their style. That's not WWE's game. That's not how they do things. They don't listen and react. It's here is what it is. You better like it. If you don't like it, tough. Because we were the only game in town. Well, the game... There's another game in town now. So... Maybe WWE might start listening and responding more to their fans or changing the way they do business, but it doesn't seem like that as we've had this past week a lot more WWE releases, mostly from the NXT side and 205 Live. So, again, releasing people like Bobby Fish, uh, people that (laughs) 
that wrestling fans love. And now they've recently decided that NXT is going to start going in a different direction creatively. So what does that mean? Because the NXT that wrestling fans love has been working for a long time, and now you're going to change that up. So there is no chance of chance of change the channel or this match sucks or anything else at whatever show CM Punk may debut on for AEW in the main event. So whatever, his debut will not be overshadowed by anything else on the card. It might add to other things on the card, but it will not be overshadowed and it will not be forgotten because I had forgotten this is where CM Punk started in the WWE. So there you have it. That is Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra for this week. We will return with a new regular Retro Wrestling Podcast episode very soon. We're doing an episode of Nitro from 2000 featuring the Old Age Outlaws. And of course, we've also had the recent passing of Bobby Eaton, so... Uh, Patrick will have a lot to say about that in the next Retro Wrestling Podcast episode. But until then, I'm intern Alex saying bingo, bingo. There was already a group of OVW guys that had been called up. I was familiar with them, so I would travel with them. I mean, I knew what I was getting into, and I was prepared for it. I'd been backstage before. You know, I just jumped in with both feet. a new platform to introduce new characters. And, you know, for for CM Punk, it really kind of gave him a chance to, you know, showcase his skills on a different level and really be like the, uh, I don't want to say big fish in the small pond, but obviously ECW compared to Raw and SmackDown was, I guess, the small pond. Don't let these tattoos fool you. I'm straight edge. I'm a man of great discipline. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. My addiction is wrestling. To me, the next generation of ECW superstars started with CM Punk. He was my first draft pick. He was the first guy I wanted from the developmental system. I wanted CM Punk to be the superstar the wrestler, the personality that inherited the legacy and brought that legacy forward into a new generation for ECW. From Chicago, Illinois, CM Punk! They embraced it, and they let the world know you're witnessing the debut of a brand new star. This crowd reacts to see that he's getting a pretty strong response from the ECW fan base. I remember the first time I saw him, it was ECW. I was a freshman in college. I was in the dorms and I sprinted down my hallway and I knocked on every single door and I'm like, my brother's on TV, my brother's on TV. So I had my whole wing of the dorm like in my room and spilling out into the hallway to watch them. I mean, it was just so surreal to see him doing that. Huge opportunity for CM Punk who has competed in Japan and Europe but is now competing on worldwide television. He was hitting on every level and the audience knew it, and Punk knew it, I knew it, and no one else would accept it.